Welcome to Pilot Boys Podcast, episode 102. We are out here with a college football sprint today. We're going to do a little news and notes for you. There's a lot of things going on. Obviously, Facebook and Instagram crashed. V made some money. End of the world. So we will get this flight <laughs> going soon. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you will get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. We're back with the college football sprint. I see you're wearing pink in support of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Zach. Had to. Breast it's Cancer nice. Awareness and Yogi's Bar and Grill, two two fine things that I support. It matches well with your your face and your head. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but a crazy, crazy, crazy good week in college football. I think it was filled with everything that you could hope for, right? Upsets, yeah. big Ohio State win drama off the field that we'll get into as well um but let, let, let's start with the ohio state rutgers game i thought it was pretty funny leading into this game how many people were thinking that this was going to be a close game um but if you watch rutgers you knew that they were going to be present some sort of defensive challenge but if you saw the team play you knew they were they weren't built offensively to really compete with ohio state what were your takeaways despite it being an inferior opponent? Did you see it, some improvements that you liked in terms of defensive scheme? Um, obviously, C.J. Stroud stepped up and had a, had a dynamic and answered yeah, the answer I mean, go. So Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, that game could have been a close game. I mean, if the defense yeah. showed up the way it did against Oregon, if the defensive staff, uh, I guess, didn't watch the game live and make adjustments. And if C.J. Stroud was missing open receivers, I mean, yeah, it could have been a close game. So I don't yep. I don't know that either take was wrong, right? Like yep. our game, our handicapping service saw it the same way you just kind of explained it. Like this is going to be – they're going to blow out Rutgers. And I'm sitting here like, yeah. well, they might, but they also might not, you know? Yeah. So C.J. Stroud was on, and so now you're really wondering, was he really hurt all that time? Yeah. And then if he was, was it really smart to play him? Like would yeah. – would Ohio State be, you know, what, would they be undefeated right now had they went with a different quarterback? Because Kyle McCord looked good enough in, in the Akron game that he could have been serviceable over a, an, an unhealthy and injured C.J. Stroud, I guess is yeah. what we're going with now. But he looked better. So we'll see if he can do it, you know, two, three games in a row to let us know that he really was injured. Now he's healthy and he's hitting some throws. So I thought he was really good, and I thought that was the difference in the game. The defense played a little better. I mean, I'd like – some of the stuff they did schematically, but uh, they really they tackled well, they triggered well. I liked how how they implemented their their personnel as far as you know, just limiting rotations. It wasn't you didn't see forty five guys on the field early. I mean, eventually with a, in a blowout, of course, everyone gets in. But I mean, it was it was a solid win. It's what you needed to see. Um, we didn't. I don't know what we learned other than all right, it might be tr have a trajectory in the right direction right now. Yeah, it, it looks it looked promising right for sure. For sure. <laughs> so i think uh we got a big big test this weekend against maryland even though they look terrible this past week um i don't think you can overlook this matchup um young quarterback it's had a couple of rough weeks but they got some talent on the offensive side of the ball so we'll get to yeah. that a little bit a little bit later but i think the other big story in ohio football this weekend was cincinnati taking down notre dame this was like in so many ways, a storybook 
kind of situation for Cincinnati. If anyone who knows the background of Brian Kelly and how he left the program for Notre Dame, this was, this was pretty poetic justice for the Bearcats program. And, you know, I was having a conversation with a few people this weekend about it. And I said, it's interesting. Yeah, it's easy. I don't like Brian Kelly. It's easy to dislike Brian Kelly. Obviously, yeah. you're happy he lost. But it's interesting if Brian Kelly had never gotten to Cincinnati and never had de- demanded the improvements and facilities that he had demanded and that they coalesced to, we wouldn't have Luke Fickle there to kind of take the program to the next level. But it was just great, the whole story of Cincinnati going into Notre Dame and, and beating them um, and dominating them. It seemed they like really did. Much. They really did. It's, it's like those, uh, it's like any ninja movie you ever watch, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, it's always the sensei trains some guy and then he ends up beating him, right? It's like, yeah. damn, I shouldn't have trained him so well. Like he shouldn't have left Cincinnati in such great shape, yeah. I guess, with, you know, just assets and, and finances and everything. I mean, he did a, he did a great job there, albeit, you know, other than how he left. Yeah, but exactly. Th- that game, I mean, that game kind of played out exactly how I saw it playing out. I mean, yep. similar defenses. I thought Cincinnati was slightly better defensively than Notre Dame, but it was pretty even. Those two sides of the ball, obviously, they don't play each other. But And then offensively, I didn't think it was close. I thought Cincinnati was yep. a much better offense than Notre Dame, and it kind of just showed to be true, right? Notre Dame couldn't run the ball, and, and Jack Cohn struggled, and Desmond Ritter just kind of lit it up and got a huge win in South Bend. Yeah, it's big. And and what do you think now with, you think Cincinnati needs to be, if they win out, it seems like their schedule is strong enough and they've proven themselves enough to deserve a four seed in that, in that playoff, especially considering the landscape of the rest of uh, college football, Oregon lost. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like anybody outside of Alabama and, and Georgia, and even not even necessarily Alabama looks looks great. Cincinnati seems yeah. like they have a chance here this year. I mean, I I think that there's if as long as they don't screw it up now. I mean, they 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 have smooth sailing. They're not going to have they're not going to have easy games, but they they should be able to win the rest of their games. And if if they do that, I think there's definitely an argument to be made. I think they're definitely one of the top 4 teams. I don't think they get in though. I really don't. I don't, don't. I unless there is you know, minimal one loss in undefeated teams, right? If there's yeah. four undefeated or one loss teams with that, you know, national brand and with a couple decent wins, I think they jump them over Cincinnati just because of the power five versus group of five conversation. And with playoff expansion, a team like Cincinnati will get in the playoffs. But before that, I mean, you look right now, the odds on favorites to make the playoffs still right now, after what, five games is Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio state, which is the four teams that I thought would be in the playoffs before the season. And, you know, those teams haven't looked great at times. Ohio State, shoot, Ohio State lost to Oregon. You know what I mean? Yeah. So will Cincinnati get in? I think they should, but I don't yeah. think they do. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, it would be a great story if they do, and I hope they do. I think they so do. I. It. It's not just this year, but if you look at the – I know you're not supposed to look at past seasons, but Cincinnati has shown that they can compete um, over the last few years with Power 5 conference conferences. So it's – Hopefully they get in. It would be a great story for Ohio and um, for for Coach Fickle. Uh, wish him the best, and hopefully they get in. Moving on, though, to the SEC conference. This was a crazy week. I don't know what to make of the SEC this year at all. Just what I thought last week, I saw the Arkansas-Texas A&M game. 
I thought Arkansas looked pretty good, but maybe Texas A&M just isn't very good. Then Florida got upset by by Kentucky. I mean, when you watch Georgia play, they look really, really good. But they're still Georgia, and I still don't know how good their offense is. Um, but their defense is amazing. But how good is is this a story of the SEC just being down, or is this just a dominant year for Georgia overall? Well, I think this is really kind of transitioning back and you we talked about it on the show i, I kind of talked about it before the season that this just seems like uh the the game of football is transitioning back to a defensive centric championship caliber team right you need yep. you know for football cyclical and for the last five years or so it's been high-powered offenses were needed to win a championship they just were right defense needed to you need to have a solid defense obviously but you needed to be able to score 45 50 points to win a game and yep. now what you're watching this year is Dominant defenses have kind of caught up and, and, you know, got ahead of offenses. And you look at Georgia. Georgia just went in and won a big game like that against Arkansas without their starting quarterback with no offensive skill yep. other than their backfield. I mean, it was just – it's crazy. They were able, yeah, like crazy they were able to do that, but their yep. defense is just that good. Yeah. They're just that amazing. dominant. And Arkansas came out and and didn't tackle well. I mean, they, they didn't play poorly on defense, but it ends up in a blowout because Georgia, Georgia was just that dominant defensively. Same with Alabama. I mean, you watch Ole Miss for the first four games, and I mean, their offense was the number one offense in the country. And yeah. then Alabama comes out and makes them look like a high school team. And you watch Alabama running the ball against Ole Miss. I mean, it is it looks like high school kids trying to tackle an NFL running back, just yeah. bouncing off of them, like missing, like not even missed tackles, broken tackles, just like Alabama was that much more powerful and explosive. And so it really, uh, it, it exposed a lot of things. And I think that that you're seeing right now, Georgia is probably the best team in the country when healthy, if they, if healthy, right? If that ever happens for them, they, <laughs> they might have a chance to actually finally win one. Um, and then the Kentucky Florida thing. I mean, yeah. I honestly think Florida has been selling ice to Eskimos for yeah. all, all season. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they've had a wildcat offense that kind of took advantage of Bama and caught them off guard. They, they struggled with, you know, some, some Florida directional teams and just, they've been average at best all year. And they finally played a team that that Kentucky team is really good. I mean, yeah, I like, on a, I like you know, I for a middle tier SEC yeah. team, they're, they're a solid team and huge win, huge win for, for Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it's um, interesting to kind of kind of look at this thing and see Georgia, as you said, the shift. Like, I've watched them play twice now. What stands out to me is is how cohesive that defense is. It's like they're really playing for each other. It's like power of a unit. It's like all eleven guys are completely in sync. They're playing for each other. It's not one guy showing up another guy. It's like truly a dominant unit uh, defensively. It's not just, you know, dominant defensive end getting six sacks. You know what I mean? Right, it's right. It's literally a, a throwback, and it's nice to it's nice to see a, a team playing that way. Now, you know, I don't it's, know it's, without an offense how, yeah. how things are going to go later on. But. <laughs> I just need to be proficient. That's all. If, yeah. if they can play this this level of defense, you know, throughout the year against top level teams, it's about being proficient, right? If you're getting great field position, if you can just march it down the field, kick some field goals, score a touchdown here or there, and win a game 21 to 10, I mean, that's that's the that's what the Georgia outlook is, right? If they can do that and win some games 21 to 10, they got a real shot at, at beating Alabama or you know beating Florida here in a couple of weeks. 
But it, the funny thing about defense and the difference between, let's say, Ohio State's defense and, you know, Iowa's or or Georgia's is is Ohio State looks like they're playing still and, and thinking, right? They're trying to yeah. think about what they do. They're trying to do their job. They're, they're so focused on, like, not screwing up and doing their job. Where you watch Georgia or Iowa, even Penn State to an extent, yeah. those kids are flying around making plays with swagger. It's like yeah. the, the thought – of what their job is or what they need to do is so far gone. It's ingrained in their, their soul that they can just fly around and have swagger and hit people and 11 guys celebrate. It just, you feel a momentum shift when you play a great defense yeah. after they make a play because the swagger is there. Yeah. And I think, you know, to a coach that, that always talks about this and been a great defensive coordinator is Wade Phillips, right? Is mm-hmm. He's always been about, I want to simplify things so my players can just play the game, you know? Game. <laughs> and it seems like these teams are doing that versus being too complex with their schemes or anything. It's just like, let's put the best players on the field and let them play football, you know? And, right. uh, it, it, and it's working. And I'm really impressed with Iowa on both sides. Typically you see an Iowa team, they've, they've got a good defensive team and usually they've got a good offensive line so they can run the ball. But this is probably the most like dynamic Iowa team that I've seen. They can pass the ball, they can run the ball, they play great defense. Um, their ranking is legitimate. Still yeah, feels like. they are. I mean, I think their their offense is still their weakness. Um, but yeah. you know, we'll find out when they play a, a, a really good team. Uh, and I think their defense is the real deal. That's all that yeah. I think matters in the in the short term, especially yeah. their defense is real real yeah and their offense is is kind of a yet to be seen still and 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 i'm I'm not sold on them i think that that their offense will struggle against an an ohio state or penn state level defense and um i mean obviously we're going to find out here soon yep yep so michigan five and oh real or fluke (laughs) um so you know what i i mean i think they're real I really yeah. do. I mean, that Wisconsin team. Uh, don't get me wrong. The, the Wisconsin team on paper, it's it's terrible, right? What are they one yeah. and three, one and four right now? But but that's a that's a really good defense. That, that Wisconsin defense. Their offense is, is struggles. Graham Mertz, I mean, was terrible. But part of that is what Michigan did on defense. That kid, Aiden Hutchinson, is a absolute grown ass man. Defensive yeah. end. He's probably one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country that I've seen on film this year. And what they're doing offensively is 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 of note, right? Yeah, I mean, it really different. is. That 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 Wisconsin defense was the real deal, and yeah. it didn't look like it against Michigan. Yeah, yeah, it's shaping up that the Big Ten this this year may be the best conference. You know, I know we've had our 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 loss to Oregon kind of puts a puts a damper on things. Um, but you know, wanted to take note of that. We thought the Pac-12 might might be better this year, right? And there, yeah. <laughs> then you see Stanford. Obviously, you never want to underestimate David Shaw. He's a great coach. He does a lot with a little <laughs> at Stanford. Um, but that loss uh, to Stanford makes our loss to Oregon at home look look even worse, right? <laughs> no, it, it definitely does. It definitely does. And that's that's all they're going to talk about. If Ohio State handles business against Penn State, you know, it doesn't slip up in one of these other games. And I mean, reality is they got they got a 
a hell of a schedule coming up. Yeah, they do. Is they got Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan, who all three look really, really good. And you know, you know how the, the national media is. By the end of the year, they'll have four SEC teams in the top ten. Yeah. Because when the SEC teams beat each other, it's like, man, they they their only loss is to Bama, and you're like, okay. When Penn State's only loss is to Ohio State, they, they're it's it's, it's like not, the Big Ten cannibalizes not. itself. The SEC those losses don't matter. And, no, they um, don't. It's just, it's sad. That's how the media can control the narrative. But, and of course, ESPN has uh, the SEC yeah. network. That doesn't mean anything. That, yeah, that it, it has nothing to do with it. They don't, <laughs> they don't really care about money. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think it's going to be telling. You know, how, what happens in this Iowa Penn State game this weekend is going to be huge. Obviously, Ohio State needs to survive Maryland and kind of get through the bye week and then come back and, and, and get back to work so that on, on Halloween they can beat Penn State. If they can do that, Ohio State is right back in this mix. Now, for them to have a shot of winning a playoff game or, God forbid, touching this thing right here, mm-hmm. right, I'm going to need to see a lot, like a yeah. lot out of Ohio yeah. State. There's a um, lot of- but they they have the pieces, right? They have the pieces. And if they do, if they're able to turn this thing around and make the playoffs, I mean, the, the, the move Ryan Day made to make Matt Barnes the play caller in week four it, it, mid-season, I mean, you do talk about balls, brass balls. Yeah, I mean, just monster brass balls on Ryan Day to make that call. Yeah, and it seems like he's. That's not the only step. He's brought in some consultants. Like he's doing what a CEO is supposed to do when you recognize something's not going right, and that's all you can ask for. Hopefully, the personnel gets it right that he's putting in place. You know, he's got an offense to worry about <laughs> as well, so it's not like he can uh, spend all too much time on the defensive side of the ball, but he's, he's doing the things that you expect a coach to do to adjust. Uh, A lot of coaches in his position would be stubborn and he's not being stubborn. And that's, that's a great sign of a a great leader. No Um, doubt about it. You know, it's, it's, it's just been a crazy, crazy, crazy year. And I think the other thing about Ohio state is even if we get through that schedule, probably going to have to see Iowa in that big 10 championship game. Right. So, oh yeah, that's that's a, oh that's yeah, a, that's a tough one to finish out too. Oh so yeah, if 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 they went out, they I should. will say, you know, not to put the cart before the horse, but I really like the way Ohio State matches up against this Iowa team. I really do. I think yeah. that that Ohio State defensively is is capable right now of handling Iowa's offense, and I think the defense will be a huge test for Ohio State's offense. But Ohio State's offense is starting to click; it's starting to really form its yeah. identity. I, I really like how Ohio State matches up against the Hawkeyes. Yeah, especially now that we've really established run first, right? Mm-hmm. It just makes those dynamic receivers even more dynamic, and we've got the best receiving core and potentially the best running back in the country as a freshman. We should be able to do something with that. We definitely can handle Oklahoma. I'm sure of that. So speaking <laughs> right. of Oklahoma, they struggled again against Kansas State. It's just starting to get very, very frustrating again. This situation where every year Oklahoma gets put in preseason at a position they probably don't deserve. And then they just continue to like back their way into the playoffs somehow, despite struggling throughout the season. And it's just like at a certain point, when are we going to acknowledge that Oklahoma is is good? Lincoln Riley's a good coach, but they're kind of like a above average program at best to me. If you'd evaluate them, yeah, I mean, you know, they're like a lot of programs. They've had an issue, you know, from year to year. A different, it's, it's it's 
it was been the defense, right? Their defense, the defensively, they've been pretty poor, and offensively, they've been lighting up the scoreboards. And they kind of got that turn. They turned that corner, and hired Alex Grinch from Ohio State. He 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 really has done a, a phenomenal job with that defense as far as fundamentals, tackling, just little shit. And so now their issue is they don't have a run game, right? Yeah, they, they're yeah. used to having Joe Mixon and yeah. you know Ramondre Stevens and Trey Sermon, you know, having these great running backs. They just don't really have a great run game yeah. right now. Their defense is pretty decent. Spencer Rattler has struggled at times, but he's he's definitely an NFL talent yeah, at quarterback. Is. So it's different every year. Um, and, and it seems like Oklahoma always has like one glaring issue that is going to keep them from ever winning anything substantial. Yeah. I mean, that's the one team that I see in the playoff picture that I think we could beat today. For um, sure. I mean, well, I don't think they'll be in it though. I think they're going to lose to Texas this weekend in the red river shootout. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be For a tough sure. matchup and Texas is looking better. So hopefully, yep. hopefully, hopefully I get together. Now talked a lot about on field, uh, football, very interesting thing happened off the field with, um, with one Urban Meyer, which is, I think, a head-scratcher for everyone because Urban is very careful about his public image, um, protects it um, <laughs> with his life, uh, has, very, has very carefully crafted his image off the field. So my thing with this situation, first of all, video, I want to give it all the context it needs. You never know what the exact situation was, what was going on. The video itself looks pretty damning, but again, none of us have context and it is surprising considering how guarded Urban is for himself to even put himself in that type of position, right? Right. But with that said, it's like, you know, there's that that old saying, uh, you shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house. Mm-hmm. And the truth is we all live in glass houses to a degree, but I think there's this thing in in college football and sports generally where we build up people's characters to be like these perfect people but nobody's perfect um and usually i find out that people who kind of really try hard to present that image usually have some skeletons in the closet that they're hiding not saying any of this is true but this situation i think gives us an opportunity to talk about all of those things um, and also understand that urban fucked up, you know, and I think to pay for that. There, there's, there's two, I guess I have two points on this and, yeah. and I've thought a lot about it because of obviously my relationship with urban, his family, kind of the fallout, everything that I went through with them. I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to really take my time and think this through how, how I view this right yeah. before I just start. Cause you know, you know me V sometimes yeah. I'll just pop off and I'm like, yeah, yeah I probably should have waited and thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really see two, two points about this one. We absolutely know what happened. We know he was hitting on that girl, like flirtatious, maybe grabbing her ass, all that other stuff that was happening. He was drunk. He, I mean, it was stupid. He's, he never is like that. He always is more of a homebody stays yeah. at home. If he's drinking or having a good time, it's at home. So really dumbass decision to do that. Not only out in public, but two at his restaurant, three in Dublin, Ohio, where he lives yeah. and Ohio state basically is like really, really dumb. Right. Yeah. That's the first point. The second point is why are we acting like we give a shit? Yeah. Like exactly. why is the media acting like they care? Why are people calling for his jobs? Like I, Bill Belichick had a whole ass affair relationship with another yeah. woman in 2006 that caused a divorce. 
He was named in the divorce proceedings. Nobody gave a shit. Sean Payton did it in 2011. Whole ass relationship affair. Not drunk and grabbed a girl's uh, ass or whatever, or went knuckles deep or whatever Urban did. I don't know. It doesn't matter though, <laughs> because we only care because he's 0 and 4. Yeah. The only reason this is notable is because it's Urban Meyer and the media hates him and because he's 0 and 4. If he was 4 and 0 right now and, and Trevor Lawrence looked like he was going to win the rookie of the year, no one would care because they yeah. never have historically. Yep. Exactly. It's so I mean, hypocritical. It, it's, it, it is the reality, right? And it's also because, again, you got to be, I'm a big believer in just living your life. Honestly, it gets really hard when you portray, because the thing specifically for Urban, you, you coached under him, is the profile that he wants to create is one of good family man, you know, Catholic, you know, being a good and what he instills, what he wants to instill in his players. So I think that also affected him here because it's so surprising. I mean, nobody, Bill Belichick doesn't try to win the good guy award. You know what I mean? He, he pretty much is like, I am who I am. You can judge me for whatever you decide to judge me on. Right. But urban kind of has built this image. That's different um, in media. So we've never seen anything like this no. ever come out publicly about him. So I think that was also it com combined with the fact that people don't like him. He's not the friendliest guy to media. So they, yeah. they, they definitely went after him here, but I do think also it's a, it's an important lesson. What I honestly think happened here was the guy has never been used to losing like this before. Got drunk as hell, lost his mind and did something stupid. Well, you know how you, that's that's definitely not untrue, but it's also you are who you hang out with sometimes. And, yep. you know, you're running around with a bunch of jersey chasing like douchebags that are like trying to ch parade you around because they're in business with you to show people. Yep. And, now, and then he finds himself out with that type of crowd who does that type of thing. And you are who you hang out with. And that's on him for getting in bed with those type of people, to be honest with you. Yeah. And it's just. It's unfortunate that that it that it happened. To, honestly, I only feel bad for his family. I don't feel I don't feel bad for Shelly because she, you, like you said, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. When that whole yeah. investigation happened with me, all her texts came out. She's in Urban's ear trying to tell him what I'm doing. Like I'm out drinking, I'm out hooking up with girls, and all this other stuff. I'm like, whoa, time out, lady. You don't know that, and you yeah. don't know me. And here we yeah. are. Fast forward, what three years later? It's like, see. Karma's a bitch, man. Take off the white wig. Let's just worry yep. about our own selves and stop worrying about other people. Yep. Yep. And 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 let's stop making uh people's personal lives. Uh it's it's okay to comment on it. It's a story. I understand why it's a story, yep. but it's it's like half of the people that I see criticizing him. I look and I know them personally. And I'm like, wait a second. Oh. It <laughs> happens all the time. And, and the number of people. I've said it all the time. The number of people in the media that are going to report about this, that, you know, when I was married, were hitting girls were girls in the media were hitting on me or yeah. messaging with me, knowing I was married. And it's like, you're so, aren't you so virtuous now? Yeah. We're going to comment on, on urban Meyer, how touching a girl's butt when you were trying to sleep with me and I was married, like relax yourself. Yep. 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 Hypocrisy. So, I mean, it's a story that, that hopefully goes away and hopefully urban, um, Urban figures it out and figures out a way to get a win in Jacksonville. It does not seem when I look at that team, I don't think that they're bad enough to not win a game. Right. Um, 
but I mean, they've lost they've had some heartbreaking losses. I mean, yeah. they, they, they honestly, I would tell you before this whole scandal, urban, urban Meyer's done a decent job. They've been competitive. They've, you know, they had Cincinnati down 14, nothing at half. Like they're just, they're young and not finishing the job in some of these games, but that'll happen eventually. That'll click. Uh, yeah. for these younger guys as they kind of get more experience. So it's sad because I think he's doing a decent job on the field. Uh, yeah, and I think people forget that, you know, they're 0-19, he's 0-4, right? right? This is a team that's lost 19 straight games. Yep. It's going to take some time for him to right the ship, but I think he. this is a great challenge for him to learn. Anybody who, who knows and has heard Urban knows that the guy handles losing like a kid handles losing. So it's a process for him to figure this thing out too. So yeah. it should be fun. He's got to get used to it. He's going to have to get used to it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, Zach, previewing previewing now the Maryland-Ohio State game. Maryland's looked pretty awful the last couple of weeks. Uh, um, but they've also looked pretty good in a couple games this season too. They've got a great play caller in, in Mike Loxley. A dynamic quarterback who, although his dynamic isn't playing great, the Tagovailoa family is struggling a little bit in on the football field right now overall. Yeah. Um, but this isn't a game we can overlook considering we've got Penn State coming up after that. Yeah, you you know, they really can't. And, and I think what you saw this past weekend with the Maryland-Iowa game was – I really I, I expected more out of Maryland's offense, and they have uh, who I, I call Tua Vista. It's <laughs> like uh, remember when they came out with Windows Vista, yeah, and it was a newer version, it but it wasn't better. <laughs> yeah, but they got Tua Vista over there at quarterback. Who I mean, he's a decent quarterback for Maryland, but this kid throws yeah. through the like turn the ball over like a hundred times. And it's like you can't win, you can't even compete in games. Yeah, if you're gonna do that. Now, I, at, that being said, I mean because fifty-one to fourteen, I I don't I even know Iowa could score fifty-one points yeah, against I was like, anyone. Wow. And, yeah. and I mean, you look at Maryland, who, who they beat. They beat West Virginia by six, right? They beat Howard, I think. Illinois, they beat by three. Yeah. And then a MAC team, it might have been Kent or Akron. Um, so they they really haven't beat anyone. And yeah. They statistically have have had a decent run at the beginning of the year offensively, but I, I don't think my and, and they were my my predicted predicted team to be the most improved team in the big 10. And I don't see it through four games or five, whatever they played five games. So I think this should be an easy win up for Ohio state at home. Um, they can't have a, a letdown week because they finally played well. The defense, you know, has to do what they did Saturday. CJ Stroud has to hit open receivers, but this shouldn't be a game of concern. And then it's, it's pushing forward to the bye week And, and, and anytime you get a bye week is, yeah. is a great, you know, it's a great kind of light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, this has been a grind. It's been a grind through training camp. The loss to Oregon, changing coordinators, so much, you know, so much going on that it'll be a refreshing to get that bye week. And they got to really push strong to play this game the way they should play it yeah. to get to that bye week intact. Yeah. And it's it, the timing of the bye week couldn't be couldn't be better for no the doubt. opponent that follows it. So a lot of time to write the ship and get things right before before the big game. Um, but handle business this weekend and move forward. Any other matchups this weekend that that you're you're paying attention to or, th or i mean or i think the, 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 the only matchup i care about is is iowa penn state i, yeah. I think that is the game that is going to be i mean this is going to decide a lot not only in the big 10 i mean it's a big 10 east big 10 west it could be a pre preview of a big 10 championship game or it, if nothing else you're going to find out so much about both teams because they're finally going against a, a formidable opponent right someone 
Because right now, I don't know that you could predict who's going to win that game. And I haven't dove into the analytics or the film entirely, but I've watched a lot of both of them. And I think that they're pretty evenly matched. And so you're going to find out, you know, the character of a team, kind of the mentality of a team, how they, if they can go win a big time game. So I'm, that's the game, only game I care about this weekend. I mean, I, I'm excited to watch Ohio State, excited to watch the Red River shootout. There's yeah. some SEC games that are good, but that game, Iowa Penn State is, is game of the week, maybe game of the year. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. Always, Zach. We had a we had a, a very interesting conversation today about on the field and off the field topics, and uh, we'll be looking forward to your uh, live broadcast again. Do you have a tailgate this weekend? Yep, tailgate this weekend for Maryland down at the Point on Lane. We're doing Maryland, so the three we have left are Maryland, Penn State, and Michigan State. The three, you know, the three biggest games left at home. So definitely check that out, and we'll be talking to you Tuesday after another Ohio State win. Appreciate it, V. All right, man. Take care. Yep. Show the Pilot Boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Hey, this is Partha. Not only am I a pilot boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. I started Lasso to help people improve their movement on a daily basis. We design and create compression apparel that enables you to move confidently, recover safely, and ultimately be the best version of yourself. We use a patented compression technology that activates key ligaments and tendons to help you improve your proprioception, coordination, and balance on a daily basis. Lasso socks were recently ranked number one by Men's Health because of how much they improve how your body works and the overall comfort, softness, and feel of the product. We're very proud of the Lasso socks, so check them out on our website at lassogear.com or at lassogear. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. Let's start with the most important news in the history of the world yesterday, the most the worst pandemic in the history of the world struck society yesterday, and that was Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp all went down at the same time for like basically the whole business day yesterday. Yes. Um, it took me probably about a half of the day before I even realized because I usually check Instagram, <laughs> make my posts in the morning, and then probably go back again later on. So I didn't even know all this chaos was happening. Uh, and suddenly I found out about it and, uh, I've been thinking more and more recently about how to stay calm under fire. I wasn't really stressed about it, but I realized the world was on fire for a lot of other people. So I went and looked at Facebook stock. It was down $17 on the combination of, uh, the, the outage as well as I think somebody, some whistleblower or something, CB, I don't know what was happening. Sunday night, a whistleblower. Sunday night. So Facebook yeah. stock went down about $17, which is about 5%. I haven't seen a one-day loss in Facebook like that in a while. So I said, let me run an experiment. They have a lot of free cash flow, but went ahead and purchased a few shares uh, and then exited today when it went back up $7. Good for you, man. And that's the right way to handle a lot of stuff, right? It's like... yeah. How can I profit in this scenario? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the first of all, it's very Indian of you. Yes. <laughs> second of all, <laughs> second of all, the thing that cracked me up the most about all of these posts, um, 
nobody can post on Facebook and Instagram, right? So yeah. everybody takes to Twitter and to yep. TikTok yesterday. Yeah. I think I saw maybe like a hundred posts that were like, you know, this Facebook and Instagram outage really is a moment for us to think. And I was yeah. like, you who's making the post, you're not thinking right now. You're just making <laughs> another piece of content on another platform. Like, can't you take one day off? Yeah, it was crazy. People, people just like flooded to Twitter and TikTok and it shows you how addictive um, these platforms are, you know, and they're legalized, you know, and I think, you know, I don't know what you think about the whole whistleblower thing. Like the whistleblower thing was pretty nuts. It was pretty nuts, but I don't know how much responsibility we can put on Facebook for uh, their algorithm, for their algorithm and, and to police human beings and human society and the behavior. If we start there, then should we just uh, end Hollywood for all the violence and everything that they depict and and issues that the things that they promote that that aren't real like it's just odd to me how people when they dislike someone or something they tend to um find reasons to hate it and it's like look facebook is a platform people are fucked up and it's i think what they were what they were taking from it too like the biggest uh takeaway was that facebook's algorithm and i think part of the the issue was that people in facebook knew about this like a lot of people but their algorithm was pushing disinformation to the top and it was pushing the most polarized opinions to the top i think if you're a user of facebook and instagram you didn't need a whistleblower to tell you that it's basically just the gossip section of politics these days yeah and that's the algorithm that works these are companies that are seeking profit and they are responding to how people want to consume content. And unfortunately, in American society, people want to hate each other. People want to fight all day. And they want to double down on their differences instead of finding uh, <laughs> finding reasons to get along. So um, it's like it's just a it's a classic example of um, you're blaming the wrong you're picking the wrong scapegoat. Here. Yeah, it's a powerful statement. This, this, um, the whole social media is a mirror to society, right? Yeah, and it it does exacerbate maybe some of the worst parts of society, but it is still a mirror, and we do react from it. And so, you know, that's interesting. Um, something I learned yesterday is that whistleblowers actually get a portion of the settlements that uh, the companies that that get in trouble have to pay in fines. Yeah. So, this fine is likely. A multi-billion-dollar fine that's going to come out. You know, maybe it's hundreds of millions. But this whistleblower is doing pretty well off of this situation. You know, and I, th- I think that's that's an interesting dynamic that I didn't know about at least before this about how whistleblowing worked. I didn't know that you got taken care of so well financially, and you get your identity protected. That's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, she she revealed herself too, which means a book deal is coming as well. Um, <laughs> always the deal yeah so it's uh you know if we want to change society and we want to adjust society there's a lot of work that we need to do to change how things are incentivized in society um and so again you know uh basically what she was saying facebook took the first step of like 
monitoring and seeing if this was true, but she said that they would never take the action steps. They'd identify the problems, but wouldn't take take the action to fix the problem. And it's like, what company is going to actively work against their profitability? <laughs> B Corps are allowed to do that, by the way. <laughs> B Corps are not. You would get fired if you're the CEO and you do that. I think that's, I mean, that is one part of it. I think just to add on to that notion, if you want to change the world, change yourself. You know what yeah. I mean? The person yeah. trying to change this, change the world in this scenario is guilty of everything Facebook's guilty of. She she collected a paycheck from this company for how long? For years, she right? She just collected a much bigger check for throwing a bunch of people under the yeah. bus and she's going to profit off of it. And that kind of turmoil and drama, you can tell yourself it's for the greater good, but it's a selfish, selfish action, you know? It is. It is. It is. And, you know, I think you and I are kind of different in the sense that we don't, you know, what makes another person shit doesn't bother us. So it's like, I'm not mad at Facebook. I'm not mad at Mark Zuckerberg for uh, figuring out a way to make hundreds of billions of dollars. Would I do that? Is that the model that I want to live by to uh, make billions of dollars? No, but I'm not mad at him for it, for recognizing an issue with society and a need for uh, reconfirmation and the insecurity, deep-seated insecurity of society and figuring out a platform or multiple platforms by which to profit off of what's already true. Powerful and true. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to be mad at anybody in a capitalistic system for finding those gaps. You know, you can only be mad at yourself if, if you're a part of the profit there, right? You're a part of the polarization. If you yelled at anybody for their political views because you got served up some extreme political ads, if you were suspect of misinformation, you let the stuff you see on a Facebook article be your source of truth. I mean, you weren't listening in school, yeah. you know? They told us even Wikipedia wasn't a good source, which, by the way, it's, it's a really good source, in my opinion. But they told us even Wikipedia wasn't a good source. So where do you get off thinking Facebook's a good source? Yeah, yeah. And always ask yourself, this is, this is a tried and true method for people. If something triggers you to feel an emotion, because I'm not going to lie, like if I read some of these headlines, I process the, the same emotions that everyone else processes because they trigger me the same way that they trigger everyone else. But you process it. You don't react right away. You don't immediately go to your keyboard. You process it and say, okay, they did. I see what you're doing here. I see what you're trying to do. And I'm not going to take the bait. And then go read a book. Absolutely. <laughs> go read a book. And go outside. Get some vitamin D and smile a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's like, I think about the internet culture and I also think about trash talking in person. And this mm -hmm. past weekend, I was playing some basketball up in New York with the homie Snay and we were playing some pickup and uh, I actually got into it with somebody with the trash oh, wow. talk. I had um, so everyone on the court. I'm six feet just for everyone listening. Um, everyone else on the court is you know, between five, eight and six feet tall. Right. Yeah. There's one dude on our team who's like six, eight, huge dude, clearly has played before. And he's standing on the perimeter the entire game, 
shouting at everyone else, get that rebound. Come on. You got to make that layup. I was like, dude, are you doing anything right now? Are you, are you oh, doing anything? Those are the worst. I hate those court yeah. coaches. The court oh, coaches are the worst. So I I did my trash talk. I got under his skin. And this is my teammate I'm yelling at. Yeah. But I said, hey, big man, you want to play on our team? You want to yell at us? You want to do something? And he <laughs> looked at me and I looked him right in the eye. And that's the thing you can't do on social. I meant what I said. I walked right up to him. I looked him in the eye and I called him lazy. And he yeah. shut up and played the rest of the game. And we won as a result. But if you don't have the courage to stand behind what you want to say to somebody and look them in the eye, be in person. I'm, I was, I was definitely nervous when I said it. Cause I was like, yo, if this dude decides to beat me up, I will lose that fight. <laughs> you know, like I knew that yeah. going in and I was risking bodily harm in my mind, but I had to say what I had to say and I believed it and I felt strong, strong with it. And, you know, by saying it, I was able to back it up in person. And I think the thing with internet culture is that it's so easy to say some stuff from your vantage point and not realize how much work everybody else is putting in to try and get to a goal. And if you're just going to sit there and talk all the time, I just don't have much respect for you. Yeah. Yeah. And if you hate these platforms so much, you know, most of these platforms are birthed from dislike of other platforms fix it you know fix it you know one thing you cannot take away from mark zuckerberg and facebook is that they've put in the blood sweat and tears the work the hours the sacrifice to build a company that we are all addicted to you know so it's not a zuckerberg problem it's an us problem if we want to fix it and the thing is i clearly to me it's not a problem because we all keep tuning in it's not a problem if it's this big instagram is huge facebook is huge whatsapp is huge these are all platforms that the market has said we demand it and you better keep it running keep hiring more people if you need to keep hiring more people what do you need to do keep making more money <laughs> yep yep you know, the other thing I think about with Facebook, do you think this platform would be as large if Mark Zuckerberg's name was Zark, Muck Zark Muckerberg? It might be. It might be it, bigger. It might be way larger. That's a more powerful name. Zark? Yeah. Zark. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, man. Anyways, moving, moving on from this, this story. Um, <sighs> Let's talk about more rich people act behaving badly. Um, there's an article you sent uh, about the secret wealth of political leaders and all the things that they are doing to hide their wealth. I think it was some sort of leak. What was the leak called? It's called the um, Pandora pa Papers or something like that. Pandora something. Yeah. So it's a, it's a leak of a lot of... Uh, sensitive financial information of some some world leaders and it's interesting you know we know this we hear about like <laughs> the uh, strong arm dictator who has like 50 different houses and in, in all across the world and flies uh flies beyonce out for like 10 million dollar performances and stuff like that we hear about these characters but what we don't realize is 
that those are the stories we hear, but this is pretty consistent uh, amongst the political elite. Uh, You know what was funny about the article to me, V? Yeah. There's actually no wrongdoing. Everyone's following the rules. It was like a major world leader. And the article is essentially someone kind of just being upset that rich people are rich and are able to avoid taxes. And I'm sure there will be stuff that comes out that some people are doing wrong, but I guarantee it's only wrong because their accountant made a mistake. It's not, it's not like, it's not like people are going to fall into these traps. Like wherever there's rules, there's loopholes and people get very clever about that. One of the things that stood out to me in the, in the, uh, the synopsis that I read was how a lot of folks are using the UK to store cash. They're buying land in the UK. So like the king, I think it was the king of Jordan owns like this sick like spot in the UK. He has a sick spot in Malibu, you know. He's got three houses right next to each other in Malibu. He bought three houses. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like if you're in those countries, first of all, you are already getting screwed by your leaders. Like that's one thing you just have to be acknowledging. Even if you're in any country you're getting screwed by your leaders. So that's first and foremost. Yeah. And then second of all, if you are an American citizen and you're talking about the King of Jordan doing these things, I'm willing to guess that the Secret Service costs more per day than those three <laughs> houses. Than all, <laughs> all three of those, those houses. I think running Air Force One for a week costs more than that. Dude, uh, I was thinking too, like my takeaway from the article is like, hey, listen, Malibu, like how do I get the invite, man? Like, yeah, no. I want to I go, go to one of those parties. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, the takeaway for me from this is it's just a reminder. We have these, these politicians and we hear this, you know, these, I don't even know what to call them, people like AX of the world who, um, stand on platforms of tax the rich while wearing $100,000 ball gowns to the most ostentatious event ever, the Met Gala. This is just an extension of that to me. Politicians always coming down on business leaders for not paying their fair share of taxes, not doing what they're supposed to do for the, to, to feed the government's coffers while they're doing the exact same things in their lives to avoid taxes um it's just politicians are so funny to me um they're 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 an unnecessary evil you know for a long time people were calling them necessary evils but they're unnecessary evils they're essentially you know what they say in business you know work around the middleman they are (laughs) they are the worst kind of middleman they offer no value but they just extract a bunch of value and then attack other people because you know the tech sector is under a lot of attack here and sure i mean if if there are issues there are issues but what i will say about most of these corporations and people that are being attacked by politicians is they actually create value to society you know politicians just extract value if you look at how their campaigns are run how lobbying works it's just one big racket and it's like these are the people that are going to come out and be the moral police of, of of the business society when they're when they're all shady as hell, and they're they're sitting here slapping them with on, on one side of the face and having their hand out taking their money with the with the other one. So, 
What's the difference between uh, a politician and a parrot, V? <laughs> uh, one of them can fly, man. That's that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. On the spot. My humor bone is activated whenever we talk about politics, man. <laughs> uh, that was that was definitely a uh, a funny, 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 funny story to read. Um <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what I want to know is exactly how rich Vladimir Putin actually is, because I think if we ever discover his actual wealth, he's probably like two or three trillion dollars. <laughs> Him. And then also there's there's so many folks in China that. Yeah. I'm so, so curious, you know. Yeah. There's the guy who just bought the nets and he was like, wasn't he exiled from China? I think so. Same with the guy who previously owned the Nets was exiled from Russia. Yeah. And these guys have so much money they can buy one of the most expensive franchises and just not care about salary caps. <laughs> no, they're just like not care at all. The Nets have been just the team owned by the most recent person kicked out of a communist country with billions of dollars. Yep. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's crazy. It's 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 crazy to crazy to think about. And, you know, in other news, let's talk about my favorite uh, NBA basketball player, Ben Simmons. Uh, <laughs> seems to have just cost himself eight point five million dollars. Uh, pretty, pretty irreversibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and completely destroyed his trade value in the marketplace in the and process. reputation and reputation. It's like, and I his enforcement value, to be honest. Yeah. I, I mean, don't know what brand that wants to work with Ben Simmons. I mean, I'm sure there's some Australian company. We should, we should look into doing a deal with them. He's pretty cheap. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> this is just, this is such a, the Ben Simmons story is such a funny one because you see somebody be on on in the wrong, like pretty clearly, yeah. like he messed up, right? All like, around, terrible performance in the playoffs. It was very clear. And in the past, there's been several documented records of times the team has tried to work him with skills coaches, and he's turned it down to work with his own camp. Now that works if you have results. If you don't have results, your employer is going to say, hey, your process sucks. You got to use my process. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to have a problem, right? And yeah. he didn't do it. He got worse. He lost confidence. He went through all that stuff. Sure. And then at the end of the day, when he had the opportunity to essentially say, you know what? I messed up. And there's been plenty of opportunities. I mean, up until like now, he could he could come out and say, you know what? I've been handling this badly. I'm trying to grow up. I'm trying to get more mature. I want to do right by my fans. I want to do right by all these people. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do everything the team asked me to do, and I'm going to get better, right? That's yeah. the easy way out of this. And he just keeps doubling down the other way, man. Like He just keeps elevating the punishment he's taking. And this is one of those examples in life where you see somebody's ego totally cause their pain. Yeah, all the suffering he's going through is self-induced. It's it's a hundred percent, and you know, and I'm really, really um, an even bigger Joel Embiid fan now, yeah. because you know, you hear about situations like this happen, 
you hear the rumor mill about what the other star player thinks or is saying behind the scenes. Joel's just coming out and saying what he thinks. Yeah. You know, and handling this the way that he should. He's being honest. He's being straightforward. And he's still saying, I would prefer to play with Ben Simmons than without him, despite those those things. But imagine where the Philadelphia 76ers would be right now if they did not give Ben Simmons a supermax and instead kept Jimmy Butler for about probably, I think, 25 to $30 million total less, traded Ben Simmons for some players with better attitudes um, who weren't about themselves. Um, think about how he is, his decision-making and his ego, and also the 76ers organization catering to that ego, how much damage that has done to the organization itself um, as a result of that. And that's where, you know, this whole wave of player empowerment um, and some of these agents um, that because they have power, they strong arm situations. It's like, you have to look at these things as partnerships, not as combative uh, entities all the time. And I think that's that's been lost in the world of sports where it's like player versus owner, player versus team. And these agents come in and instead of telling a player what's best for them, they oftentimes just essentially do what the player wants because they are going to continue. They want to continue to collect that percentage off of their contract. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And that's unfortunate that these things happen sometimes. Uh, and I'm not speaking of any specific scenario. Now we're talking about Ben Simmons here, uh, but just generally speaking about, about how this could be, could improve is yeah. if you really want to be out of Philadelphia, be a man, show up, say, Hey, I don't want to be here really disliked how James Harden handled his trade request last year as well. Um, And this scenario is another one. It's like, yeah, you're probably going to end up getting what you want, but is that really the type of person you want to be? Yeah. Is that how you want to come across? Yeah. Yeah. That's a powerful question to ask, you know? And I think, I think one of the things that we do is we half of society loves to blame the player, but as guys in the industry, we love to blame, agents or, or the folks yeah. around the players because we have a lot of empathy for the players but as an individual and anything you kind of have a certain level of having your shit together that people expect out of you and the ability to communicate honestly and clearly is a fundamental skill that everybody should work to have if you don't have that that's a problem it doesn't matter if your agent's taking advantage of you if you're not being forthright and clear about what you want to do and taking the time to actually understand how your money works. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it, you just have to do it. And there's a lot of athletes that don't, and I get it. It's tough. It's different, you know? And I just feel that many, many, many of us would benefit from taking the time to learn these things. And it's not hard, you know, it's, I mean, uh, there's a lot of free resources available for people to learn these things. Just takes yeah. a little time. Yeah. And I think we as a society, we look for this conflict all the time. A great example of this was this past weekend. A lot has been made since Tom Brady left the Patriots about his relationship with with Bill Belichick, his relationship with the fans. At the end of the day, that was a situation that had run its course. Um, Both parties went their separate ways. Um, 
but you saw all these rumors about their fractured relationship and all this stuff didn't seem very true. You know, Bill Belichick went and sat with Tom Brady after after the game, not in the public sphere. Oh, they had a nice conversation. Bob Kraft went and saw Tom Brady before the game. That is, they had a nice highlight video before before the game. Another example is how Oklahoma City treated the Russell Westbrook trade. Like, you can get what you want without burning bridges, right? You know, and I think... That's something in today's society, it's like everybody wants to light everything on fire. And it's not necessary. It's actually if you move move the opposite direction, you might actually get better results. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. You know, great communication usually works when yeah. you leave a room and everybody likes you and you still got a deal done. That's yep. usually winning. Like if you do a deal and the other side doesn't want to work with you again after the way you negotiated it, that's a loss. That's not a win. It doesn't matter how much money you made. It's still a loss. Huge loss. Huge I wish loss. more people would do business in a long-term fashion, man. Yeah. Yep. In other news, uh, Britney Spears seems to have escaped slavery. Oh, did she? Yeah. I missed that one. That's great. Yeah, it seems like the conservatorship is over. I don't want to, I mean, uh, obviously metaphorical. Uh, but the idea of this thing, this idea of a conservatorship being legal and somebody exercising this type of control and power over someone's life is pretty damn scary. Yeah, it's it's absolutely terrifying. There's a lot in this country that can be used badly. Yeah, pretty scary. Pretty yeah. scary. Well, as they uh, say, with great power comes great responsibility. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, anything else you want to talk about? Dude, I wish I had more to talk about. I wish I had a lot more topics for today, but I think at the end of the day, man, like the big takeaway I'm seeing in society these days is just the continued toll that we experience from shifting so much of our society digitally and just yep. a lack of self-awareness of how to get out of that situation amongst so many people I know. I have friends who are starting to starting to get out of that, starting to detach from their phones, starting to live life a little bit more, have a little bit less fear. You know, COVID definitely exacerbated everything. But if I could say anything to to the folks listening right now, go live your life. Do the things you love to do. Don't worry about what everyone thinks about what you're doing. Don't worry about what it looks like. Don't even post the cool shit. Try that. Try doing something that's so cool that if you posted it, you would get the most likes of anything you've done and don't share it and see how that yep. feels. Yeah. Disconnect. I mean, and, and the other thing is if you have issues with the toll that it's having, instead of posting about it on social media, disconnect from social media, right? Like you said earlier, it's like when Facebook gets shut down, don't go to Twitter complaining or talking about, Hey, we need to look in the mirror on Twitter. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, there is a a real world out here. It's a beautiful world. And I think so many people are missing out on it by spending 90% of their time on this thing or an iPad or another device instead of spending it in the real world. Um, and I think just you, you can still spend time on these things, but spend some time doing some other things. Like you said, 
I'm really worried about this uh, this digital generation and and the impact that it's going to have on on real world human beings. Yeah. So here's a challenge if you're listening for the uh, hopefully nine million of you that have made it this far. Um, <laughs> take a walk tomorrow or the day you're listening to this and take your headphones out and put your phone in the house and just go on a walk for more than 15 minutes by yourself and just listen to the planet around you. Just listen. Don't say a word. Definitely. Definitely. We'll change your life. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, stay moving on that walk tomorrow. <laughs> and always remember, be you. You always fly. Pilot boys out. Pilot boys, we get on up. We gon' fly, boys, we get up. So cool, man. 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 So c